Hey, thank you for checking out our sermons online at Coastal Community Church. We're so glad that uh, you're using these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth. But one of the things we're really passionate about at Coastal is that you have a local church. And so while we encourage you to, to make use of these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth, if you don't have a local church, we would encourage you to find a Bible-believing uh, church in your community. If you live in our community, we'd love for you to visit with us. So uh, we uh, are in Yorktown, Virginia. We meet on 101 Village Avenue, and we would love for you to come and check us out. We have three sermons service times, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 and, uh, on Sunday morning. And so if you live in the Virginia area and the Yorktown area on the peninsula, we would love for you to come and check us out. We're going to be starting a, a new sermon series um, here in the, in the late winter uh, called Beginnings. And we're going to look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And that's going to be covering creation to Noah. And, uh, you know, this is an important series for us as we uh, at Coastal like to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason it's important is kind of like when you're at the mall and you're trying to find a store and you, and you look at the map on the mall. And if you don't know where you are, where your beginning place is, which usually on a map is marked with a big red X that says you are here. If you don't know your starting point, then you don't know where you're going. And so we think the beginning book of the Bible, Genesis, is very important for us to understand how and why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we hope you'll investigate for the next eight weeks uh, the series that we're doing together called Beginnings. Um, you guys have your Bibles. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3 today. Pastor Sean uh, began a series a few weeks ago talking about uh, beginnings, and he got to teach on the creation of God and how awesome God is and just his wonderful creation. And then Pastor Joey last week got to speak on marriage and um, just how incredible that was um, that God instituted that um, institution for us. Um, to be fruitful and multiply and all the wonderful things um, that God instituted. And so then this week they go, well, let's give it to Pastor Andrew. So we talk about sin. Yeah. So um, I don't know if we're going to have fun talking about sin, but sin, I guess, is fun for a season. And then uh, it's, it's never good. Um, but we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3 and uh, beginnings what went wrong? The fall of humankind. Um, I, I had a bunch of stats. I'm not going to share them. Um, lots of, just, just know that the world is a bad place. There's lots of bad stuff going on. And um, I was going through these stats and I was like, when I was done, I was like, man, I want to like slip my wrist or something. It was so sad. Um, just know that the world is a uh, messed up place. C.S. Lewis said this, when sin entered into the world, the world that was straight was bent. It was bent. And we couldn't see clearly any longer. Everything that was clear, everything that was plain was distorted and uh, bent. And uh, so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me as we go through this passage of Scripture together. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it if you do you will die. 
You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, Then they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid Because I was, and if you're Joey from South Georgia, naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God said, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Let's stop there and let's pray. Precious Father, as we talk about sin this morning, I pray, Lord God, from the beginning, it's, it's been this way. And we recognize and we know, Father God, that uh, we need you. And we need your son, Jesus Christ. And we recognize, Lord God, that we are desperate for you. We are um, a, a people, Father, that, that continue in sin, Lord God. And we know that you are the one that is going to come and make everything right. And you have made things right. So God, I just pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see from your word, Lord. We thank you and praise you, God, for what you've done. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're taking notes, write this down. Pull out your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever you need to write with. And write this down. Number one, well, letter A, God gave Adam and Eve one rule in the garden and then they violated it. Why? Why did they violate it? You would think that this was one rule. Don't eat from this tree. And what did they do? They ate from that tree. That was the rule God had given them. Well, there's four reasons why. And they're all from Romans. The Apostle Paul really kind of lays it out for us. The first one is this. We sin because we are sinners. We sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we've sinned. We're sinners. We sin because we are sinners. So here's the deal. Adam and Eve then, Plato man and Plato woman, had offspring. And all the offspring had that same gene of sin. And it passed to everyone. Romans 3.10 says this. It says, 
As it is written, no, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Even the good that I do is evil because the Bible says, even that because I am sinful, I am sinful. In fact, if you're here this morning, understand this, that God, nobody seeks after God. So the fact that you're even here is the fact that God has been drawing you here. It's not by accident that you're here and that you're seeking God. It's God who reached out to you and is drawing you here. Because in your capacity, you have no capacity to seek after God. And that's what Romans chapter 3 is saying. We sin because we are sinners. Number two, we sin because of Adam, our representative. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Therefore by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. Therefore death passed upon all men. I'm quoting the King Jimmy, not the NIV or the NLT. Death passed upon everyone for all have sinned. Because Adam sinned, therefore I have sinned because I am of an offspring of Adam. You have sinned because you are an offspring of Adam and Eve. Now, here's what's incredible about this. That's why the virgin birth is extremely important. Jesus did not have an earthly father. In fact, Jesus, you have Mary, who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit... And therefore, no earthly father, therefore, no sin nature. He was the only one that was not the representative of Adam, from Adam. He is now his own representative, the representative Christ. Number three, we sin because we are slaves to sin. We sin because we sin. I'm a slave to sin. I can't not sin, I can't help but sin. All I do is sin. I can't help it. Romans chapter 7 verse 14 says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. So guess what? The apostle Paul even recognizes it in himself. I am a slave to sin. I sin because I'm a slave to sin. I can't help but sin. That's all that I do. I sin, 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 sin. Sin. Now, sin is an archery term. If I'm playing golf and I hit a ball and it go, this just happens a lot, and then the ball goes way, way, way off, what does everyone yell? For! Right! Because you, and everybody goes like this. Well, sin is an archery term. Is when you pull back the bow and you miss the target altogether and there's an arrow flying through the air, misses the target, you yell, Sin! Because the arrow completely missed the mark. And that's what sin is. And not only is, have we missed the marks, we sin because we are slaves to sin. And then number four, we sin because it is our nature. We have a sin nature that we are born with. I don't have to teach my son to hit. In fact, when his brother, his older brother, takes something from him, he, I didn't teach him. I said, now when he takes something from you, you take your fist and you try to hit him. I, I didn't teach him that. But when his older brother took something from him that he didn't want him to have, he responded with hitting. I didn't teach him that. That's what he did. At the very base level, he sins. It's in his nature. 
And if you have children, you can look at them and you say, they're wonderful, beautiful little sinners. They don't understand and they don't listen. And every time I tell them to do something, they do the opposite. Don't stick your finger in that electrical socket. Don't do that. This electrical socket? No, that's the one. Well, put your hand on the stove. What? This stove? Yes, that's the stove. Why? Because it's in their nature. They want to miss the mark. They want, to, they, they want their life to go in the complete opposite direction of the way that I want them to go. It's the same with us. We want our lives to go in a completely different direction than the way that God wants us to go. How do we know that? Well, the law provides the riverbanks for us that we violate. So what's the results? The results are this. Our sin has made us dead spiritually. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It's going to come up. There it is. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you are spiritually dead. What's the result of sin? You're spiritually dead. What can dead people do? Nothing. They can't even decompose. They need oxygen to do that. They're dead. And when you're dead spiritually, you're dead. I love you, and I'm sorry. Hey, I have a happy sermon for you this morning. You're dead spiritually. If you don't know Christ, you're dead. It's Christ that makes us alive. And number two, nature groans for redemption. Why does the wolf howl? Why does the bear eat another animal? Why do these things happen? Because all of nature is groaning for redemption. In Romans 8, and 23, the Bible says that that is the result of the fall. All nature is groaning for redemption. Because of the fall, therefore, nature is subjected to the sin as well. And they're groaning for the day of redemption. They're groaning for the day that they're going to be changed and transformed. This is the results of sin. Now, before you go out of here and, uh, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Now, before you go out and you're just completely sad and depressed, this is a sad and depressing thing. As we look at the beginning of Adam and Eve and the problem of sin, you need to understand this, that humankind violated God's ordered world because we're sinners, we violated God's ordered world. And because we violated God's ordered world, we react the same to sin still, even today. And what I want to do is, if you're taking notes, I want you, real quickly, I want to write down these four things. The four reactions to sin we still carry with us today. See, the reality is there's nothing new under the sun, and the, the reaction to sin is the exact same. You're going to have the exact same reaction to sin as Adam and Eve did in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. The first thing is this. What is the reactions that we have to sin that we carry with us today from Genesis 3? Number one, we add to what God says. What, why, why is this a reaction? Here we go. Are you ready? The serpent was the shrewdest. He said, did God really say you can eat from the fruit? And then listen. Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the woman replied, it is only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Did God say don't touch it? It's not a trick question. No. God did not say don't touch it. Eve added to it. 
This is the first form of legalism in the Bible. See, because here's the deal. God gave them one rule, and all of a sudden Eve goes, well, actually, there's two rules. Don't touch it and eat it. Why? Because, listen, we looked, Eve looked and said, you know what? And Adam looked at it and said, man, you know what? It's not enough. God's rules or God's law is not enough. What God said is not enough. So I have to add and help God out. All of a sudden, God said, don't do this. So don't eat this. And so what they did was, instead of doing that, they added to the rules. And we've been doing that ever since. What do we do? We add to the word of God all the time, things that God never said. Most people are like, man, there's so many rules. Most of the rules that people are upset with are the fact that they don't really exist in this Bible. That was the problem with the Pharisees that Jesus interacted with. They always added to the scripture. What happened when Eve touched the fruit? Did she die? No, Eve didn't die. Because God never said, hey, if you touch it, you're going to die. So Adam and Eve touched the fruit. They didn't die. They added that rule. Nothing happened. When did they die? When they violated God's rule. The one rule God gave them. When they violated that, that's when they died. See, so often we create other rules that God never intends, and therefore then we think, oh, wow, well, we've gotten away with it. And all of a sudden, I guess if we got away with this one, we can get away with this one, and then we can eat it. And so what happened? Eve, number two, we listen to the voices we want to hear. We add to what God says. We listen to the voices we want to hear in our life, not the true voices Verse 6, the serpent said to her, you won't die. Verse 4, so the woman was convinced. Verse 6, she saw that the tree was beautiful and the the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her. It's an important line that the husband was with her. It wasn't like Eve was all the way on the other side of the garden with with the fruit talking to the serpent, and Adam was over as Eve is taking it and about to eat it, slow-mo, and Adam's going, no, stop, Eve. He wasn't doing that. Eve was right there. It was like it was his guinea pig. If, if something bad happens to her, then I won't touch it. I mean, think about it. He's standing right next to her. She grabs the fruit, touches it. She didn't die. She said she was going to die. She didn't die. Then all of a sudden she takes the fruit, she eats it. She didn't die. Okay. Adam's like, all right, I'm going to have some. Woman was deceived. Man willfully disobeyed. But Adam was right next to her. He did not speak into it. He did not communicate what was going on. He stood back and he watched in Bolivia, in, in, in basically in oblivion. He, had, he did not, there was no change in the outcome with having Adam there. Men, this is a side note. Men, you need to take responsibility for your families. And you need to love your wives and your wives and you need to help your wives. Your wives need your help. And wives, you need to help your husbands. Because had both of them said, that's probably not a good idea. Eve probably would have said, yeah, you're right. This is probably not a good idea, Adam. 
Instead of looking at her as a guinea pig going, let's see what happens to Eve. Oh, oh, nothing happened. All right. I'm in. I'm going to have some. No, the reality is, is Eve was listening to the voice that she wanted to hear. Adam was listening to that same voice. One of the most frustrating things is what's the, there, there's one voice we need to hear, and here it is. It's the word of God. This is the voice we need to hear in our life. And when we ask people for wisdom or when we ask people for advice, one of the most frustrating things is to give them a chapter and verse and look and go, you know what? I don't want to listen to that. This guy over here is telling me what I want to hear, so I'm going to listen to that. And the reality is, is this. There's only one voice that we should hear, and that's the truth voice. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Here's the voice that we're supposed to hear. Here's who we're supposed to listen to and what we're to do. But instead, we listen to the voices we want to hear, not the voices we should hear. Number three, we try to cover up and hide our mistakes. Adam and Eve, they took fig leaves. They tried to cover themselves. Why? Because they were naked. All of a sudden, they realized, we're naked. Quick, get some leaves. They couldn't cover themselves up no matter how hard they tried. And it's still today. People still try to hide. You might be here today and there might be some sin that you've committed in your life that you don't want anybody to know because if somebody knew about what you've said or what you've done, then they might not like you. And let me share something with you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We are all sinners. That's why we need Christ And the more you try to hide those things, the more you try to lie to yourself and lie to others, the more that you're saying, Jesus, you can pay for everybody else's sin, but you can't pay for mine. And you're lying to yourself because you're trying to cover up yourself the best that you can and it doesn't work. Number four, we blame others for our mistakes. Adam, it was the woman you gave me, Eve. It was the serpent, The serpent. (laughs) Couldn't say anything at that point. We blame others for our mistakes. We have to take responsibility for our mistakes. Otherwise, we're going to have a whole generation of victims. Oh, wait. We do. Everybody's a victim. Listen, the reality is you could respond to sin and tragedy in your life one of two ways. You could be an arrogant victim or you can be a wounded healer. Desmond Tutu said, he said that, he said when tragedy hits, if you respond as an arrogant victim, then in the midst of that tragedy, you're always looking what you can get. Give me, give me, give me, I deserve this. Those that respond as a wounded healer, when tragedy or sin happens, even if it's something that you did yourself, you respond with, what can I give? How can I serve? How can I respond in a right, godly way? Why? Because our nature is that we will blame others for it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Hey, when I look in the mirror, that's the worst enemy that I'm fighting. It's not the devil. It's me. The devil knows how to prey on me. But it's me. I'm I'm my own worst enemy. 
Humankind violated God's ordered world. And number three, God gave hope to humankind's violation. Here we go. How did God give hope? Verse 15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Who was he talking to? He was talking about the serpent, Satan, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And the offspring, he, the, the, the offspring born of woman, he will strike your head. And your, you, meaning the serpent or Satan, will strike his heel. This is the first hope. It's the first promise that God gave of the coming Christ. This is the foreshadow of what's to come. That when Satan believed that he was delivering the death blow to Jesus on the cross by having him crucified, Jesus was stomping his head. And victory became Christ's. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says, death no longer has a sting. Why? Because it was under the heel of Jesus. And so I guess if you're going to get bit by a snake, I guess the heel is the best place to get bit. And the offspring, Jesus, crushed the serpent's head, the final blow on the cross of Jesus Christ, paying for all of our sin, every past, present, and future sin that you've ever paid. See, God gave hope to humankind even in the midst of pronouncing judgment. But what was the problem? The problem was they couldn't cover up and hide. They, couldn't, they, they needed outside intervention. They were still naked. Look at chapter 3. Everybody look to verse 22. And the Lord said, God, look at the humans. They become like us, knowing good from evil. Now, remember, they're still naked. God is about to send them out of the garden. And he pushed them out of the garden. But before he did that, look at verse 21. What did he do? And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God covered them. They covered them. This is the first time we see an animal being killed. Blood was shed. Animal dead. Took the skins and covered Adam and Eve because they couldn't do it themselves. It's still like that today. Look at the scripture here. God gave, gave us love when we deserve destruction, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Let me, let me give you a, a mathematical for all you mathematicians. If this is zero and Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're at zero, that means they're in innocence. They hadn't done anything good and they hadn't done anything wrong. When Adam and Eve sinned, they went into the negative 10. Now, they can do all the good works and everything that they want, but the problem is they're still in sin. They're still in sin. And no matter how hard they try, they'll never get back to innocence. But you see here, at that moment, in that in that in that moment right there, then all of a sudden, what do they need? They, this is not going to get them to heaven. So they're never going to get, even if they're as good as they possibly can get to, they're going to be a negative one. Because they can't do enough good works to pay for the bad. So what did they need? They needed outside intervention from God. God killed an animal temporarily to cover them. What do we need, church? 
We need outside intervention from God. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and bodily rose from the grave. And then the Bible says this, that he then takes his blood, he takes his life, and he takes his righteousness, and he covers us. Not with temporary animal skins, but he covers us with himself. So when God looks at us now, he looks and sees Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good stuff. That Christ died on the cross for us to cover us. Because we can't cover ourselves. Why did he cover us? Because he loves us. And he loves you. And if you're here this morning, it's not by accident. If somebody dragged you here, it's because God wanted you here. And they wanted you to hear this message. And they wanted you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian here and you're struggling with the sin that you've had in your life, the covering is still effective today. And it's time for you to ask God to forgive you of your sins. And he will cover you and has covered you. And he loves you. That's the beauty of the gospel. All of sin, salvation comes through Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Play softly. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is the moment. Very simply, if you say, you know what, I am a sinner, I, I cannot get out of sin, I have never been out of sin, and I need Jesus to cover me, to give me his righteousness. Very simply, this is what you pray. You say, dear God, please forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Please forgive me for my sin. I ask come into my life and save me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Say this to the Lord right now. Say it to him. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, Jesus, and rose from the dead. And by faith, I receive you into my life. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Jesus Christ came into your life in that moment if you prayed that prayer. The Christian, if you're here and you're struggling with sin, it's time for you to confess that sin and move on. Christ has paid for you that sin and you don't need to be in bondage any longer. And I wanna pray for you. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for the men and women here that prayed to receive you for the first time. I pray, Lord God, that you would cause them to action, that they would either come up and talk to somebody up front or they would talk to somebody in the prayer chapel, Lord God, that you would do business with their life. If somebody's struggling with sin and can't break free, I pray the same, Lord God. I pray that they would come and talk to somebody here or talk to somebody in the prayer chapel. God, I pray that we would walk out free men and women from the power and the bondage of sin. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he's done and what he's going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.